Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Inside the junk hole. Oh my goodness. Well, sometimes that is better. It just tastes so damn good. Stargrove. Wolfman's got Nars. Killer mommy. <laughs> Here's Johnny. Thou art the one. Slap. Star Child. What the hell did we just watch? The All American Spook Show Podcast. Once again, welcome to another edition of the All-American Spook Show Podcast. As always, I'm Josh, and I'm joined here with my friends Will and Donnie. Hey. And the Professor Smoke is usually with us, but he's on vacation. So, as we usually say, he's on assignment uh, doing something else. But assignment fun. (laughs) Assignment Miami Beach. (laughs) 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 He's off uh, uh, down in Florida having a good time. So, we'll catch up with him on the next episode. But... Um, I, I guess, you know, before we get into this episode, by the way, I'll go ahead and mention we're going to be talking about the newest release on the, or at least the, the, the biggest new release on the horror calendar, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, which, you know, technically is The Conjuring 3, but, uh, you know, however you want to phrase it, you know what we're talking about. It just came out this past Friday, so we're talking about that this week, but before we start going into the background and diving into that, uh, I'll go ahead and throw out what we're going to be doing this summer. Uh, we're changing it up just a little bit, and we're going to be doing an actual series throughout the summer. So starting with the next episode in two weeks, episode 61, that will be on June 21st. Uh, we're going to be watching The Wolfman, and from the one from 1941. And that is going to kick off our big summer series that we're going to be calling The Summer of the Wolf. Um, basically, I mean, it's kind of self-explanatory with what we're watching there and what it's called. Basically, all summer long, it's just going to be nothing but uh, some of the best werewolf movies ever made. Uh, and, and some maybe that aren't the best. Let's you know, say some. <laughs> <laughs> some is the key word there, like you said. But, uh, yeah, we're, just all of them from here to, like, basically the end of August are all going to be werewolf-related movies. So uh, we figured it would be uh, fitting considering that, like, uh, 40 years ago in 1981, it was a big year for werewolf movies coming out, like An American Werewolf in London, Wolf in handful of others the howling came out that year so uh what better way to kind of you know pay homage to that from 40 years ago and talk about some of the you know the best ones ever made once again next week we're going to be talking the wolfman from 1941 that happens to be what that's 80 no how many years ago is that now i'm, I'm losing count yeah that's 80 yeah. years ago 80. when that came out so 
you know, it all goes hand in hand with these anniversaries and figured it would be a good year to do it. So all summer long, come join us here on the Spook Show. We're going to be doing the Summer of the Wolf series. And also over on our Patreon, we're going to have kind of tie-in episodes with that too. We're coming up with some stuff there. Um, not to mention, you know, we just debuted the new segment over on Patreon called From the Library of the Professor, where Professor Smoke kind of, you know, pulls a, a selection from his vast library of VHS, DVD, laser discs, books. <laughs> uh, MP3 players. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Audible coming at you. <laughs> Audibletrial.com slash spook show. Um, but uh, yeah, like pr- pretty much he's just going to like reach behind him, pull something off the shelf, and he's going to talk about it for a couple minutes. So if that, you know, sounds cool to you, that's going to be like a new recurring segment over on our Patreon mini sodes that we've been doing. Those come out every Tuesday and Thursday over on Patreon. And that's uh, patreon.com slash AA spook show. Uh, if you want to subscribe to us over there and become a patron, like you'll get that and a whole bunch of other stuff that we've been doing over there with those video minisodes. And like I said, those come out every Tuesday and Thursday night. So that's constant new stuff coming out, extra bonus stuff like that. And, you know, and we're constantly coming up with new stuff. So tying that back into the summer of the wolf stuff, we're going to have some things that are going to kind of fill in some of the gaps, you know, in the history of werewolf movies and, and other things, maybe even talk about a few other movies that we're not talking about here on the main podcast, uh, over there on Patreon. So go and check that out. So as always, you can email us or, you know, any comments or suggestions or, um, I hate the summer of the wolf or I love it, whatever. You can email us at all American spook show at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at AA spook show. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube by searching All American Spook Show. We have a T Public page where you can go and get the logoed merchandise. Um, you know, we've got like the older logos, the newer logos, because you know, I think we've kind of basically had three quote unquote official logos for the show. Yeah. All those things are over there on uh, the uh, T Public page. If you want it on a shirt, they even put it on face masks, mugs, all kinds of other random items. And plus, we have some other cool designs over there too if, if you want to go check that out. You should be able to find us uh, by uh, clicking down in the show notes for this on the link tree. It's got all this stuff linked. Um, also, you should be able to find us if you just Google, you know, or, or over on T Public. You should be able to find us. So, um, I guess that's going to kind of be the latest from uh, from us for you know what we got going on with the Patreon and the Summer of the Wolf coming up and everything. So, with that being said, I guess we'll go ahead and toss to the trailer for the one that we're here to talk about today: The Conjuring. The Devil Made Me Do It. Okay there? Jesus. I think I hurt someone. This is Ed Warren, here with Lorraine. All right, let's get started. Residents of Brookfield were shocked this afternoon by the broad daylight murder of Bruno Sauls. The court accepts the existence of God every time a witness swears to tell the truth. I think it's about time they accept the existence of the devil. Whatever is going on, whatever happened that day, that was not Arnie. 
It's a witch's totem. We think your family was cursed. And that connection's still open. I'm only interested in reality. But I can see things that your people can't. Something terrible happened here. A master Satanist is not an adversary to be taken lightly. She's doing it again. She's reaching out to the darkness. Lorraine, you need to come back. Saving him worth everything you have. Because that's what it may very well cost. Right, there you go that's the trailer for that so i guess you know we'll do the usual bit um donnie what were your initial thoughts on this upon you know viewing it like not your total ratings all your thoughts and everything we'll save that towards the end but just your initial yeah. gut reaction to watching it this weekend uh after watching it yeah or just oh, okay yeah well uh i tried to stay away from the trailers uh because typically you know i mean i I don't want to say typically, but sometimes uh, they allude to a lot of the things in the trailers. Uh, the, the only, oh, I'm sorry, typically I like to stay away from the trailers. It was kind of hard to stay away from the trailers uh, for, you know, this one, this Conjuring, uh, Conjuring 3, um, because it was just it was just promoted everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, so it was, um, but after watching it, you know, um, uh Definitely the uh, my least favorite uh, Conjuring movie. Uh, not so much my least favorite of the... Uh, uh, definitely not my least favorite of the Conjuring universe, but of, of the three, this is my least favorite. Will, what do you say? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with Donnie. I mean, for the most part, like the Conjuring movies in the Conjuring universe are usually like, you know, what, what the rest are judged by. Uh, but yeah, this one was definitely lower in my rank of of those three movies but it's also trying something to me a little different than the previous ones and i don't know i think it definitely needed to be refreshed uh, at least you know the way they they do their stories you know it just didn't to me come out as quite of a home run i think i'm pretty much on you know i think we're all on the same level here with our thoughts um they definitely they definitely change up the formula you know, not that these movies are directly formulaic, but they all kind of have that same feel to them. You know, mm -hmm. especially the first two Conjuring movies in particular. And I guess that's kind of where you need to compare it with, right? Because this is the third of those movies, and it is so much different from, say, the three Annabelle movies, The Curse of La Llorona, and The Nun. That being said, you know, you know, I'll kind of rank it below the first two, but I have to commend them for trying to change the status quo 
and try to do something different when, you know, you could have just kind of made it just like the rest. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll get into our, our true thoughts at the end here and our star ratings and all that. But I think you kind of see, you know, just from those comments where we're all headed here. And, uh, and I failed to mention that, you know, we'll get Professor Smoke's comments on the next episode in two weeks. We'll see, you know, his ranking and see what he has to say about it. That being said, uh, I, I guess we'll go ahead and dive into some of the background, you know, before we get into the, the movie itself. Of course, this movie was released June 4, 2021, so that was just a few days ago. Um, so this will be the, the, the fastest one we've ever turned around, you know, like it's something that just came out, we're doing a show on it. So uh, this is uh, slightly new territory for us. So if it sounds like we're kind of not necessarily on our our usual game of uh, background information and everything. That's pretty much why, because this was a faster turnaround. Um, at least I can speak for myself as far as <laughs> some of the background yeah. information I was able to dig up, you know, it's not, not as thick, but there's plenty, to, plenty of uh, stuff to talk about here. So we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get a full episode out of it for sure. But it was rated R of course, as pretty much, well, not pretty much. I think all of these have been rated R. Uh, the total runtime of this one was one hour and 52 minutes. And on IMDb, it's listed as a horror slash mystery slash thriller. So I would imagine the mystery part is probably the, the new tag uh, attached to this one that may not necessarily have been t- attached to the other ones, right? Um, yeah. Of course, this, this movie was done or produced by The Usual Suspects. Um, it was put out by New Line Cinema, The Saffron Company, Atomic Monster Productions, and of course, it was distributed by Warner Brothers Pictures. Uh, this one, uh, once again, probably kind of unlike anything we've done on the show here, as far as like, you know, it just being a new release, this one, Warner brothers has been doing all of their new release movies in 2021 on HBO max, the same time it's being released in theaters. So that's basically the two ways you would have seen it this weekend is either go to the theater and see it tradition, you know, the traditional way or stay at home and check it out on HBO Max, which I'm sure is, is uh, probably the way most people that watched it this weekend probably watched it that way. But I would imagine it probably did fairly well in the uh, box office this weekend. But, you know, we'll find out once we get the numbers here shortly. I, myself, I actually went to the theater and watched it. And this is the first time I've been to a theater since before the pandemic started. Um, not, I yeah. get I guess in some ways because of that, but not necessarily directly because of that, but it just kind of fell that way for me because the last time I remember watching a movie in the theater was right before it all started back in February of 2020. And I haven't been to inside a theater since. So this is the first time I've ventured out into the wild myself. <laughs> uh, what about you guys? How did you watch it on HBO max or in the theaters? Uh, yeah, I did mine on HBO max. Um, I actually tried to go to the theater, but not to watch that. I was going to try to watch quiet place. Uh, bought my tickets and the theater was closed so that was fun <laughs> but uh <laughs> yeah i was able to go ahead and uh, knock that out on uh, hbo plus how did you uh, or max or whatever the hell they call yeah, it whatever they call it this week i'm sure that that eventually might change too since the whole uh warner brothers discovery uh merger uh, a week or two ago uh there's a good chance that might change they might end up changing the name of that thing who knows but um Donnie, how about you? Did, how did you watch it? Uh, yeah, we went to the theater, and you know, much like uh, yourself, this was the uh, this was the first time we've been in a theater since um, I want to say since 2018. <laughs> uh, just because, well, yeah, uh, just because um, you know we get a lot of our just we don't really watch you know 
I say newer movies, like we we always wait for them to come out on Netflix or Prime or um, you know, uh, I guess whatever Plex or you know, but the, the various we, ways. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, without without actually saying it. Yeah, um, yeah, nefarious the, the, purposes. The, yeah, we're, the we're dark just, arts you know. of the internet. <laughs> yeah, we're buying them out of a trench coat in an alley. Yeah. Um, but you still found the one guy that sells VHS copies out in the alleyway. Oh yeah, yeah, and with a wash rag of gold chains. <laughs> um, no, this this was the first time we were, we've been in a theater in uh, quite some time. Mm. But uh, yeah, we enjoyed it. I mean, we enjoyed the theater experience, I'll say that. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it too, man. It's been too long, and uh, I'm a big, you know, uh, I was, you know, before all this, a big proponent of movie theaters, and I still am, just, yeah. you know, haven't had the chance to. So, yeah, I love going to the theater to watch a movie, and it was definitely like, you know, kind of like going back home a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. finally sit down in a theater and not really have to worry about somebody breathing all over you and stuff, you know, and just enjoying the movie on the big screen and, every, and with the sound and everything. And I think that did help this movie, at least for me a little bit, seeing this on the screen and, and you know, the huge theater sound and everything like that. It probably did yeah. bump it up a little bit for me. You kind of forget, you know, when you've been away from the theater so long, I'm sure like a lot of people have, you know, just how cool it is to watch it, not, not only in a room with other people to hear other people's reactions, but just on the big screen the great sound and everything you just you know you don't realize what you didn't have until you didn't have it anymore and then when at least for me i'll, I'll speak for myself when you sit down you're like damn this is this is the way you're supposed to watch it you know yeah um and even the bigger movies of course this isn't like a huge blockbuster type of movie but you get what i'm saying like this is the way it's meant to be seen you know in my opinion so it was good to be back in the theater to see this that being said this one in particular it was this is just my opinion i think it was a bit too long i think all these movies kind of lean toward the, you know, the two-hour threshold, really, kind of, you know, without going back and looking at the other seven movies in the series. But uh, nearly two, you know, eight minutes shy of two hours, man. I think there was some points in this movie that were a little slow. So they probably could have cut a little bit out of it, you know. But I guess, you know, they were trying to build the tension and, you know, drag drag along the mystery of it. Because this, this really did almost feel like a supernatural episode of, like, Law and Order or something, right? You know, like... <laughs> And uh, kind of working in reverse and trying to solve the case and everything. So this one was, once again, we'll get into it, but that, that this one was a little bit different in that way compared to the other Conjuring films. Um, Special ghouls unit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Law and Order SGU. <laughs> it's just the Warrens, and that's it. Like, they got no one else in the unit. Um, but anyways, yeah, so this one is, like we said, this one is basically a sequel to The Conjuring 1 and The Conjuring 2. So it's kind of in that line of the, of the Conjuring universe of movies. But it is the eighth installment in The Conjuring universe, and like I said, including the three Annabelle films, uh, The Curse of La Llorona and The Nun. So this is the eighth installment in all those movies. And uh, I haven't seen anything, like, about when the next one might be coming. But I, I do know that this was the one that we were supposed to have already seen damn near a year ago. This was originally supposed to come out in September of 2020, last year. But it was delayed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So this one, you know, is one that we've been waiting on for quite a while. So I don't know how how much that is delayed to the point, everything else, you know, in the Conjuring universe. I don't know what's next, where they go from here. And when we'll see it, you know, because I think they had kind of got on a, uh, 
on a stretch there where there was about one a year or one every one and a half years or so until this happened, you know, so um, I don't know where we go from here, but, you know, I'm sure we'll be there for it whenever the next installment in the series finally comes out because, you know, I've enjoyed doing all these, but I think it's, it's definitely time to kind of wrap it up for us here with this series for sure. Yeah. And, and move on to another series. You know, we've, we've played this uh, song many times here. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but this movie in particular, Conjuring the Devil Made Me Do It, is based on the trial of Arnie Cheyenne Johnson, which was also known as the Devil Made Me Do It case uh, that was tried in the state of Connecticut in the United States back in 1990, or I'm sorry, 1981. I didn't really, you know, I think we mentioned this in the Patreon minisodes that like, I didn't really look up anything. I didn't want to know much about this. It seems I remember hearing something mm-hmm. about this, this case, you know, a long time ago or at some point in time. You know, where basically the uh, this was based on the guy that, uh, um, or this this the story is based on the fact that this is the first guy that ever this is the first known court case in the United States uh, where his defense was basically uh, I'm innocent because uh, I was possessed by a demon. You know, this is the first time that someone ever actually tried to do that in court. You know, that they murdered someone because a demon made them do it. So that it made big news back in those days because of that, obviously. Um, but the, it will be interesting. I think we mentioned this once again on the Patreon mini so mini or, or uh, you know the minisodes. There's going to be a, a Discovery Plus documentary. I think that comes out later this week, if I'm not mistaken, um, where they kind of go back into the the true story behind all this, you know, and tell the full story and the uh, the Warrens and you know Ed and Lorraine Warren their involvement in it and everything. But from what I could tell, just the, the brief reading that I did on the trial after I watched this, you know, it's, it's pretty, they pretty much nailed it in this movie in terms of what happened in that case. The guy, Arnie Johnson uh, was charged and convicted of first degree manslaughter. Well, he might've been charged with murder, but he was convicted of first degree <laughs> manslaughter for the killing of his landlord. The guy's name was Alan Bono. He was sentenced to 10 to 20 years, but he only served five years. And and got out, you know, after that and moved on with his life, like they kind of mentioned toward the end of the movie. But um, it will be interesting to watch that documentary just to learn a little bit more about, you know, the, the true story behind it. And, and sometimes these things, especially with these Conjuring movies, some of them are kind of like, I think a few of them are new stories or kind of new twist on a story or whatever. But I think the main three Conjuring movies have been pretty based in truth in terms of, these things supposedly actually happened. They're from the case files of the uh, of the Warrens, and you know they do a pretty good job of trying to stay, you know, within the lines of what really happened. Of course, they have to movie it up, right? You know, make it more entertaining. It was pretty cool at the end of the movie too, where they played the tapes of the of the real life exorcism of uh, I think that was the exorcism of the kid, right? That you see at the beginning. Yeah. 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 That was, that was pretty cool. It'd be interesting to see like what they use in that documentary, you know, as far as that stuff is concerned, like if there's any video, I guess you would think if there's, if they have the actual film of it, they would have shown it. Right. But I guess because it was a kid, they're not showing that. You know, and they're just sticking to the, uh, the audio, the recordings that they had, but so it was directed by Michael Chavez or Chavez. I think we had the same problem when, uh, (laughs) we did the curse of La Llorona because that's basically his thing, right? Like he, he, he directed a handful of other things, but like, that's the main thing that I guess that kind of got him this is that, uh, he directed the curse of La Llorona. So, um, 
and he, he also directed a few shorts, and uh, there's a TV miniseries called Chase Champion. And, uh, but, but basically, yeah, it was The Curse of La Llorona and this. That kind of got him here. And um, he had a few writing credits as well. But I don't know how The Curse of La Llorona is the thing that talked them into letting him have this. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Not that that was, you know, fuck it, the worst movie we've ever done or anything like that, but it was pretty low on our rating scale. So uh, that doesn't necessarily instill the biggest amount of uh, confidence, you know, when you're going into this and it's, oh, man, that's the guy that directed this. All right, well, benefit of the doubt and all, you know. Fingers crossed. Ah, shit. Well, I, I, I guess I can go ahead and, and move forward here and say, at least in my opinion, he did a better job this time around. I mean, can I mean, that's that's what do you guys think? Will, what do you think? Do you think this is better than Curse of La Llorona? Or? Uh that's a no donnie what do you say <laughs> uh, yeah i i mean it's it's better than uh uh curse of la Llorona, but it's wouldn't you say that this one has like a a better premise but it's it's also like part of the the like if these were uh marvel movies this would be the avengers like la Llorona would be like uh like dr strange or something you know like an offshoot you know hopefully it goes well but I don't know. Like, I feel like this being like the the flagship of the universe. I feel like it should be a lot better than than what it was. Yeah, does well, that make sense? Like, it it feels like there should be more meat on the bone than than La Llorona. So I don't know that I would necessarily say it was that much better. I get what you're. I mean, yeah, I get I get what you're saying. Uh, it. As soon as you brought up uh, Marvel, I was thinking of uh, uh, you know, kind of like a different uh, analogy. Um, I guess you know the Conjuring would be, I guess, kind of like Transformers, and uh, the Curse of La Llorona would be like GoBots. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, the, the Kmart version of Transformers. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> it's where they put. Uh, you know, the Superman logo and, you know, there's like some <laughs> jacked up He-Man. Uh, <laughs> anyway, let me stop. Yeah. <laughs> uh. No, I mean, I just think that this is a, uh, and maybe you're right. Maybe there's just, there's more to work with here. So that's why it feels better. I just think this is a, a, a better story and a better movie. It's more well done than the curse of La Llorona. Yeah. That's just my yeah, opinion, but I'd you know, agree. It's always subjective, and especially when when you're talking about these movies in particular, because what's the first thing we all tend to do is you got to compare them to the other ones, right? Maybe yeah. that's fair. Maybe it's not. I don't know. You know, that's not for me to say. I guess, but we all do it. Um, we're going to compare it to the you know the first two Conjuring movies, and you're going to compare it to the other ones connected to the universe. So that's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's. it's it's all basically the same people involved in these things. So, like, that's why I, I keep pointing out that this was such a huge departure because it, it's basically the same people behind the scenes, like Michael Chavez, um, you know, yeah. uh, James Wan, of course, you know, the, the, Chad and Carrie Hayes. This is based on a, a, on characters created by them, right? They they were the ones in the beginning with the Conjuring and everything. Yep. James, James Wan still producing. He, uh, him, and David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick. That's a fucking mouthful. <laughs> they're, they're, they're the ones that did the story for this. And then David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick wrote the screenplay. 
So, and these are ones that have worked together on all these other things before, you know, like um, he was a writer on uh, um, The Conjuring 2 and Aquaman. And once again, Aquaman, Warner Brothers, that's James Wan. So it's, it's the same crew of guys here all working together for the most part. And, and like I said before, with uh, Atomic Monster Productions and the, the Saffron Company and everything, I mean, it's, it's the same, the same outfit all, all up and down. So, you know you're going to kind of get some of the, the, the inbreeding, so to speak, you know, like it's, it's, it's kind of the same people. So, you know, they just kind of keep the ball rolling. So it takes guts to is inbreeding. It really, uh, could, I think they're, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it, I think it's, it's a better ap- word. I, no, I think it's apropos yeah, here. Right? Incest, just, yeah. <laughs> they're just, they're just fucking, they're just fucking cousins. You know, they're just keeping it in the family. That's all. I, they call it pure blood. <laughs> <laughs> They're keeping the bloodlines pure. All right, before we go down a horribly racist path, let's just uh, cut off of this. Um, what? I'm doing Harry Potter. No, oh, okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going down a Nazi path. You're uh, you're going down Harry Potter path. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyways, you, you get the point. Like, it's all the same people. It's all the, you know. So like, in this one, they really you know, you could tell they were like, all right, we're eight movies in. What can we do? to kind of to shake the tree a little bit to you know not necessarily reinvent the wheel but change it up to where this feels different from the other movies and i think for good or for bad they achieved that right like this is different this feels different and it yeah. is different from everything you've seen before now whether that's your cup of tea or not you know that's what we're here for it's always subjective but they definitely change things up so more like, of a detective movie yeah that, that's why i said it's like like a fucking yeah. you know better produced episode of law and order or something, you know, like, except throw in supernatural because like, even like working from behind, uh, 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 working in reverse to, you know, too, right. Like the whole, like, all right, here's what's happened. Now let's go back and see how we got here. You know, that kind of thing. And then, <laughs> well, we know it's somebody who is it. Okay. We figured it out. Now we got to go catch her. You know, it's a lot like one of those police procedurals by Dick, uh, Dick Wolf, Dick Wolf. You, know, you know, that you see, it, it really does have that feel to it a little bit. Um, that's why I still say this movie was a bit long for that because like once you start to kind of figure it out, you're like, all right, let's wrap it up here and see how this ends. You know, it's probably about 20 minutes too long, but I, I tend to say that a lot with these movies. I think <laughs> for me, if it hits over like an hour, 30 minutes, better be really good. Otherwise wrap it up. Uh, this stars Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga, you know, doing their roles of Ed and Lorraine Warren. Once again, we've ran down their resume so you can listen to any of the other seven uh, conjuring related episodes to kind of go down that and James Wan and all those other guys. Um, there, I think their, I think their chemistry really like showed through in this movie. I mean, that, that, that to me was like one of the more redeeming things of this was they were definitely easy to watch, uh, in their, in their scenes together. Plus two, you get more of them in this movie than you probably did in the first two conjurings, right? Like it seemed like the first two conjurings were like, yes, they, they are the main, people trying to figure out what's going on here and help these families. But it really felt like the focus was kind of on the families. Like in the first one was the parent family, which I think they mentioned in this. And then mm-hmm. in the second one was, wasn't that the Enfield case, the one in uh, England? England. Yeah. So like you really kind of focus more in those movies on the families and how this is affecting the families. And you see a lot of that in this one, but it also seems that like you're really seeing it from the Warren's point of view because they're trying to figure out, you know, that all right, there's a curse going on. Who did this? You know, it's really more of a whodunit. So you focus more on them than you did the family in this one. Mm-hmm. So once again, that's either good or bad, depending on how you want to look at it. But you definitely saw more of them 
in this movie, I think. Outside of maybe what, well, I guess, yeah, yeah, I think probably, I was going to say Annabelle comes home, but you don't really see them. You see them at the beginning and end. It's more about her daughter and the babysitters or whatever, but you get, you get where I'm going. You know, they're definitely in this more. This guy's name, the guy that played Arnie Cheyenne Johnson, his name is uh, Ruiri <laughs> O'Connor. Say that three times fast. Um, this is probably his biggest breakout. I mean, he's only got 14 credits, acting credits on IMDb, um, including Handsome Devil. <laughs> he played Weasel in Handsome Devil. Uh, Teen Spirit, The Postcard Killings. Um, there's a handful of other things. I mean, nothing that really jumps out at you. Uh, so this is probably, you know, his big break as far as, like, what you may remember him for from, from here on. Um his girlfriend, Debbie Glatzel, is played by Sarah Catherine Hook. Uh, same deal. You know, she, she's young. She's only got 10 acting credits. Uh, this is definitely probably her biggest role. Ironically, she's been in an, uh, an episode of Law & Order uh, SVU. <laughs> Instead of SGU, she was in SVU. Uh, and she was also in a, uh, an episode of Nosferatu, that uh, vampire series on uh, AMC. Uh, she was in an episode of that, so uh, and it looks like she's in. Uh, there's a TV series coming up called First Kill, so she's got some things coming up. But young actress, you know, on, on the on the upswing. The little boy from the beginning. Well, you know, you see him throughout a little bit, but mostly at the beginning of the movie. David Glatzel, you know, the kid that's uh, mm. uh, uh, possessed at the beginning. That's played by Julian Hilliard. Pretty much just you know, just slightly less than uh, the uh, the other people. He's at, he has eight acting credits, but more understandable. He's so young. Um, but he was in The Haunting of Hill House the first season back in 2018. He played young Luke in that, in that series. And he was in Penny Dreadful, City of Angels, which I think was like the, like the, the sequel series to the Penny Dreadful. I think that was on Showtime, if I'm not mistaken. And he was also in WandaVision. Back at the beginning of the year, he played Billy Maximoff in five episodes of that. So... So I'd say between WandaVision and this, you know, his his star is slowly on the rise. Fucking amateur. <laughs> I have more credits in my shit. <laughs> Damn. Uh, Kastner was played by John Noble. He, he's probably outside of Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga, uh, you know, one of the more recognizable faces in this movie for mm-hmm. sure. Um, this dude has been around for a long time. I mean, most famously, you remember, he was in that show Fringe. What, about a decade or so ago? However long ago that was on Fox. Uh, he was in uh, a couple of the Lord of the Rings movies. He was in uh, the movie Running Scared. I mean, he has 69 acting credits that date back to, let's see, 1979. Yep. He was in a documentary short film. But then after that, it, was, it wasn't until 1988 that he was in a movie called The Dreaming. Um, so he, he's been in a, a handful of things since the late 80s. All through the 90s and early 2000s till today, uh, that that series on Fox, Sleepy Hollow, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, handful of episodes there. Um, but instantly for me, the uh, the first thing I recognized him from was Fringe, because I used to love that show. Although I think that was one of those shows that kind of like toward the end it was just like, all right, just go away, I'm done, you know. But <laughs> but those first couple seasons, man, that was a great show. And I guess the last one really uh, really worth mentioning here would be Eugenie. Bondurant as the occultist. Talk about a, um, you know, very. You were desperate to name your child Eugene. 
Eugenie. <laughs> Eugenie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that definitely... Well, who, know, who knows there, you know, right? <laughs> the story there, but... You really you really had your name set, or, you know, your uh, eye set on one thing. Oh, crap. Here we go. Eugenie it is. Um, <laughs> she was in Fear of Rain, and uh, apparently she was in The Hunger Games, Mockingjay Part 2. I think that was the last one of those Hunger Games movies. I'm not... I'm not wrong, uh, but she has 26 acting credits on IMDb that date back to 1992. She was in an episode of a series called Lady Boss, and then she played in a few episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation back in 92 and 93, and then various other series throughout the 90s, like you know some of the popular ones like Frasier, Arliss. Man, I haven't thought of Arliss since it was good on Lord. TV. <laughs> right? <laughs> Arliss. That was a good one, though. But, of course, we'll all remember her from her her role as Natalia in Sorority House Vampires. <laughs> or uh, who could forget Dot uh, and Donald right. and Dot Clock found dead in their home. <laughs> all of these just, just spook show classics is all I can say. Um, but, yeah, she's got a look, so... Uh, you know, she she definitely sticks out here. So I, I guess really that's about all worth mentioning. I mean, did you guys have uh, anything else that you wanted to to uh, rant about before we? Actually, I do have one more thing uh, before before if you guys got anything else, you can go ahead and prepare it. Yeah. I've yeah. got the uh, latest box office numbers now. These probably aren't the final numbers, considering you know we're recording this on the Sunday night before you hear it Monday night. So you know there might be updated numbers by the time you get this. But I'll go ahead and throw these numbers out. I'll just give the top. Uh, I'll go ahead and give the top ten this past weekend. Number ten, Dream Horse. <laughs> Will, Will, I'm sure that's what you tried to go see at the theater, but since the theater was closed, you couldn't see Dream Horse, right? No, no. <laughs> Number nine, Demon Slayer, Mugen Train, Mugen Train that we've mentioned a handful of times. Yeah. Already, that one's still uh, uh, still doing its thing. Number eight, Godzilla vs. Kong, another one that's been out a while. Number seven, Spiral. That one's been out for close to a month now. It's still in the tops. Number six, Wrath of Man, which I've heard good things about. Haven't seen it yet, the new uh, Guy Ritchie movie. Number five, Raya and the Last Dragon. That one's played for like three months. Um, and it's still in the top five. Uh, unsurprisingly, you know, also with number four, Spirit Untamed. These are animated films, so like... You know, people are starting to slowly go back to the theaters, and these are the only ones, like, kind of family-friendly. So these are the ones that are still going to rank pretty high. Uh, number three, Cruella, in its second week. Number two, A Quiet Place Part Two, in its second week, and it made $19.5 million. And number one, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, with twenty-four, pretty much slightly over $24 million. Now, once again, these probably aren't the final numbers. It might go up a little bit. You know, when those all get finalized uh, on like Monday or Tuesday or whatever this week. So, yeah, it, it debuted at number one. So, and uh, Quiet Place Part 2 had a, sec a good second week. So, that one's doing pretty well. So, I mean, these are these are pretty solid numbers for, you know, the pandemic. the po well, I guess kind of the post-pandemic era now, right? That we're kind of s slowly entering. So, not bad at all. So, uh, Will, Donnie, did you guys have anything to toss to before we get into the, the nitty-gritty? Um, I don't know if this would be, uh, you know, something that you would include before, you know, we get into it. But uh, um, I did see where uh, uh, for the British uh, theatrical version, uh, a suicide scene was cut to secure a, I guess, a 15 rating. I guess that's uh, um, 
I don't know. I don't know if that's is that PG fifteen or something? <laughs> something I don't know. I don't know. We we haven't really ran over uh, their uh, rating system over there. Yeah. So I don't know what you know. I'm assuming yeah, like you said that that must be like their rated R line kind of. I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So you said cuts had to be made just to get it there. Is what you're saying? I get yeah. yeah. They, like they they cut a suicide scene uh, in yeah in Britain to just to get it to that. Uh, that 15 rating. I was about to say, I don't remember a suicide scene, but it must be when the dude's like, uh, she's kind of got him possessed and he's trying to cut his wrist. Mm. Yeah. That must be, could be that. Yep. Yeah. Or uh, it could be uh, in the uh, in the jail. Well, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, like when the dude's yeah. in the jail and she kind of takes possession of him again, so he's cu- trying to cut his wrist with the, with the glass yeah. bottle. That's probably what it was. Yeah. It's intermission, it's intermission. It's intermission, it's intermission. Ice cream, candy, lemonade, too. And there's a hot dog waiting for you. The popcorn's popping and it's ready to go. You know all the great food is stealing the show. Get up out your seat and get yourself a tasty treat down at the snack bar. Snack bar. For you, the listeners of the All-American Spook Show podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Like we've said dozens of times before, you go sign up with the you know, audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Um, you'll get a free 30-day trial. They'll give you a credit. You can take that credit and get any one audiobook that you want. If you decide, like, I can't afford this, just, you know, I just don't want you, I won't use it enough, whatever the reason, you can cancel. You get to keep that one book. So it helps us out. You get a free book out of it. Win-win. Um, I went on here and just pulled up some of the selections from Ed and Lorraine Warren because they've wrote a number of books. And I've got, let's see, Satan's Harvest by Ed and Lorraine Warren. That's book six, apparently, on here. Um, by the Warrens, Michael Lasalandra and Mark Miranda and a couple, a few other authors. That one is nearly eight hours long, seven hours, 46 minutes. So that's a pretty good listen. Uh, how appropriate is this considering the summer of the wolf is almost upon us? Werewolf by Ed and Lorraine Warren. Book five by the Warrens, Robert David Chase and William Ramsey. That one's four hours, 47 minutes. So a, little, uh, a lot shorter than the last one, but still, uh, I'm sure it's a good listen. And uh, let's see, one more. Uh, Ghost Tracks by Cheryl A. Wicks and Ed and Lorraine Warren. That one's a little over nine hours long. Um, I've actually listened to one or two of the, uh, I think the first couple of books, maybe Graveyard by them and maybe another. Um, uh, it could have been Ghost Hunters. But, yeah, those are those are pretty cool to listen to. Because, like, you know, they're kind of basically kind of a collection of short stories in a lot of those books, unless some of them are, are you know, some of these other books maybe a little bigger, you know, where they talk about one case in particular, but usually it's kind of like, you know, here, here's what we experienced during this case and that case. And some of those are pretty cool. Like as you're listening to it and now you see what they've done with the conjuring universe, you're like, well, that's a movie. That, yeah, that'd be pretty good. <laughs> that one sucked, you know, that kind of thing. But it's still cool to listen to their accounts from uh, their case files and everything. So if, so if that kind of thing would interest you, and I'm sure if you're listening to this, it probably would. And, and if you like any of these conjuring movies, I'm definitely, it would interest you for sure. Um, to, if, so if you wanted to get any of those, to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash spookshow for your free audiobook. All right, I guess so uh, with the old Audible out of the way, we'll go ahead and 
and dive into the movie itself. Now, I didn't take the extensive notes that I normally take, you know, when I'm uh, watching a movie because I was in the theater and I couldn't really do it and I didn't have time to, like, go back and watch it for a second time. So I guess we'll kind of hit some of the highlights here and I may lean on you guys to kind of help fill in some of the holes if I'm not really remembering some certain things because it's been a couple of days ago I watched it. But it starts off with, Basically, the Warrens have been brought in by the Glatzel family because their eight-year-old son, David Glatzel, has been uh, basically possessed by something. So they come in to pr help perform an exorcism, and, they, and I think they kind of get the okay from the church, right? So they come in to do the exorcism. So they're basically there to uh, kind of help the proceedings along the way and like they they've already provided the proof that like this is what's going on so the church is going to do it and you have this whole scene of this playing out and uh, you know the boy is like you know getting bent backwards and sideways you know like all the the, the creepy uh exorcism tropes right uh, in these movies and uh it's his his the, the boy's sister debbie is, has her boyfriend Arnie Johnson there, and he basically he's there to help. They're all helping, and he grabs a hold of the boy and like he looks at looks into the eyes of basically and says like, uh, "Don't do this to him. You, you, you don't want him. Take me." And basically, you can kind of see the demon think about it for a second, and then it jumps into his body. Right at the same time, uh, Ed Warren is over there. Like you know, they pretty much everyone in the room's been smacked around and tossed against the wall, right? Yeah. But he's having like a heart attack over in the corner. And he sees <clears throat> he, the kid like jumps on him like a, a spider monkey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, when he knocks him so back, I'll take your life. <laughs> like, I'll stop your heart, old man. And, and I think, and it's almost like he does like the Indiana Jones, uh, you know, like I'm gonna grab your heart out of your chest. You know, yeah. uh, Kalima. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he grabs a hold of him like Kalima, and then like the guy in Ed Warren's like, oh, you know. And but he sees, he basically sees kind of the demon jump from the boy into Arnie right before he basically like passes out from his heart attack. So like, you kind of at that point you cut to them him being in the hospital, and. He's not able to tell them, like, yeah, I just saw this demon jump into that guy. So, like, you know, they're basically like, well, you know, case solved. The boy's okay. You know, they're kind of moving on with their lives. Meanwhile, the demon has jumped into Arnie. So what did you guys think? I guess I guess that's the way we'll play this. What did you guys think of this opening scene, this whole kind of cold open scene? Uh, Will, I guess we'll start with you. Uh, I mean, to me, as of this part, I mean, par for the course. You know, this, this looks like it's going the, the, the same road as uh, the previous two movies. Donnie, what do you say? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd I'd agree with that. I mean, it's it's basically you know I I, I talk with uh, um, you know Kenya a lot about you know the hook. It's got to hook you. But yeah, the, like this par for the course is exactly what what Will said. You know, it's it's starting off uh, starting off on the right foot. I think as a hook, it definitely serves its purpose, right? Like you're like, yeah. oh, here we go. You know, like it's it's a uh, it's pretty much a hundred miles an hour you know, right from the, from the first gun here. Um, so I, I think it's a good start for sure. It definitely got me in, you know, like, Oh hell, here we yeah. go. You know, like, but then it starts to kind of go like, all right, now we need to kind of work backwards to kind of figure out somewhat how we got here. Because, uh, basically you cut to them in the hospital and Ed wakes up and, and reveals to Lorraine what he saw. 
So that's kind of the next thing that, you know, all right, well, we need to take care of this right away. Meanwhile, it's like a, a series of unfortunate events playing out. You know, <laughs> they they, yeah. s- they send the cops there, but because, um, like, uh, uh, just trust me, like, this is going to sound crazy, but something bad's going to happen. So, you know, send more cops. Get them, <laughs> get them out there. Meanwhile, like, Debbie and Arnie are at their uh, – and what the hell is this situation that they're living in? It's like, is it – it's like a dog house or something like this is a kennel. Yeah, what? like none yeah. of that was explained. No, like, like it was just like, yep, here it is. Do, Take and, it or leave it. And do they live there? Okay, let's uh, let's just say they do. Like this. No, guy... they do because he, the, the the guy before he gets killed mentions you know he's letting them stay there rent free. Yeah. So, so basically, they're running the kennel or whatever the hell this is, and then they get to live there. That's what this right. situation is. All right. So there's this weird. And I guess you're kind of trying to see what kind of state this guy is in because he's supposedly possessed by a demon, right? Like, he's seeing shit that ain't really there, that kind of thing. And uh, some, of, some, of the parts, some of the parts of this scene play out pretty cool. Like, uh, when he's kind of spazzing out and he falls down in the hallway and then, like, the hallway goes dark and then there's, like, this red door and everything like that. And then uh, it kind of gets quiet and then all of a sudden something comes running down the hallway like it sounds like one of the dogs are attacking him or whatever, but as it turns out, oh, it's, yeah. it's that guy, you know, and he basically just stabs the. <laughs> he ends up like stabbing the dude. I think they said tw- they they pointed out it was twenty two yeah. times, right? Twenty two times, yeah. yeah. Which I also and that's at this point of the movie, man. I'm 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 like all in. Which I do think they like, they play it up to where it's like uh, you have a, almost like a benefit of the doubt. You could see this from either way, in my opinion, like. You could see this as, like, this fucking dude is possessed by a demon, and that's the only reason he would do this. Or you could almost see it like, well, he was in, like, a jealous rage or something because this guy's drunk and dancing around with his girlfriend, so maybe he had other cause to do this. You see what I'm saying? Like, they kind of play both sides in a way. To make you think- I think the original, I think the original, like, uh, like what really happened was supposedly, like, they were all there, and the landlord apparently grabbed the girlfriend and just wouldn't let go. Because he's drunk, is the way they're playing it, right? Uh, I would assume he's drunk, but, yeah. You know. At least that's the way it's played in the movie, is that this guy's, like, you know, turning up the stereo real loud and just being a belligerent ass because he's half drunk <laughs> or something. And this guy didn't feel, Arnie, he doesn't feel well. You know, we know that he's possibly possessed by a demon, but... They're just kind of looking at it like, well, he doesn't feel real good, so you know, maybe that's why this has happened. But my point is, is they almost set it up like you could see it either way, right? Well, yeah. we we know that supposedly this guy's been possessed by a demon, but they might look at it like, well, he's just a jealous boyfriend type deal, and he kills this guy because, like you said, he wouldn't let go of his girlfriend. So yeah, he just straight up stabs the dude twenty two times and kills him. And then this is where they have the whole setup of the fact that, like, with the Warrens' help and everything, this is where they his defense is that he's possessed by a demon and that's why he did it. The devil made me do it. And then they have to kind of, at this point, go into the investigation of, all right, how did he get here? So they go to the the house where they were living and then they tell the, the this is where they tell the story of how David, the boy, got um, possessed, right? He goes, like, mm-hmm. when they moved into the house, he goes into the bedroom and there's a waterbed in there. He, he jumps on the waterbed and he's just, you know, playing on it like kids do. And then all of a sudden, like, a hand jumps or, like, 
pokes out of the waterbed and grabs a hold of him. He freaks out and gets away. Well, well by the way, I was really sad that it wasn't Freddy Krueger. Yeah, yeah. They really missed. <laughs> they really missed the chance to do the uh, the face, the face in the waterbed <laughs> thing, right? Like just like Freddy they actually wall. there was there was a uh, there was a time you know during that scene where there was like a face in the uh, um, sort of like a homage to uh, Freddy. Uh, I think it was Nightmare on Elm Street. Was it the fourth one? Uh, well, I mean, uh, in the, right in the first one, they did it in the wall. I think they did it multiple times after that. Yeah. But in the yeah. first one, like, yeah, it's the wall. Yeah, there and is the, a face uh, in the uh, top left corner. Uh, I, I would almost say there's a... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm done. Good. Oh, I was just going to say, and, and, and you know, if we're just talking, like, callbacks or, you know, like... like Anyway, uh, at the beginning of the movie, when, uh, when the uh, priest pulls up, it kind of reminds me of Exorcist. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. good that lord! Well. That, if if no other, yeah, that that scene where he walks up, yeah, yeah. that's straight up yeah. like. Great call, I'm sitting there. Man. I'm sitting there looking at it like, is this the same? Does this have anything to do with the Exorcist? Like they set it up so perfectly. <laughs> like, yeah. did I miss something in the Exorcist? That like, is this is the same guy or some shit? Like, it looks like that. You know, like <laughs> they did. They did a great homage to that to that uh, scene for sure. But they go back to that's the, the house. word I couldn't find. Homage, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they they uh they go back to the house and they're like well all right well, all he did was go in the waterbed how the fuck did this bring in a demon curse right so they uh Lorraine crawls under the house and they find like this witch totem that's underneath the house so they're like all right this didn't happen by accident somebody put this witch totem you know under the house to to purposely curse either the boy or whoever the fuck right like and I think that's kind of where you go with this like there really is no really broad point to this like <laughs> you know what i mean is like someone did something horrible to someone else but it's for no particular reason it's not like she hated the boy or she hated the glatzel family or anything it's just like well this person did this just because like there may not be yeah, any like, rhyme like, or reason to it like in the previous movies you know, like the first one you know like this messed up thing happened at this house so the house is haunted and in the the second one like uh what was it like the uh the dad or the granddad or something like passed away in the house and yeah the old man yeah you know, like Bill Wilkins yeah, like, <laughs> Bill Wilkins it's me Bill get out of my house <laughs> but like like this one is just kind of like out of the blue like I, I'm I'm gonna kill you for yeah. what reason no reason yeah well you no. know they did do a good job of explaining that like look evil is evil right like. It doesn't basically have to have any particular reason. Like, they do this to sow the seeds of evil. So I guess that's kind of the way they're going with this. Like, they're, they don't hate this family. They don't hate the boy. They just, you know, fuck the world, right? So we're going to do it because, you know, this, this is what we do. So then they go, like, well, you know, we've got this book. We need someone to decipher it. So they go to this guy, Kastner, who apparently is, a, like, a former priest. <laughs> Here we go again with the priest Rambo shit, right? Like there's always some, <laughs> There's always some former priest hanging around somewhere that, like, Used to deal with this shit, but, like, he retired because it got too deep. I'm too old for this shit, you know. So they retire, and then, you know, something happens, and someone has to seek them out. So that's what they, that's what happens here. And apparently like, this is the guy that uh, dealt with the disciples of the Ram cult, which I believe that was a real thing too, right? Like, I, I didn't read much into that for this, but, like, I think I've heard of that before. Like, that was a thing. Well, yeah. Yeah, wasn't that uh, the group that the, God, what was it, the Annabelle people were part of? <laughs> um, wasn't it? You know what? You might be right. Um, that no, might I, be another, I think I'm right. Yeah, you might be. that. I didn't even think of that, but I have heard of that before. 
Um, so maybe that's where I heard it or somewhere else. But yeah, you might be right. That might have been what it was called. I thought for a second there you were going to say, yeah, wasn't that that group from the Devil's Reign that... Uh, <laughs> Boy, talk about a deep cut in a, in in the Conjuring Three. Like, like, I think we, you know, like us here on the Spook Show, maybe like three other people would be like, "What?" You know, like, <laughs> what the hell? But yeah, that that would be awesome. Um, Cor- what was it, Corbus? <laughs> Corbus from uh, the Devil's Reign. Anyways, uh, <laughs> uh, basically, this guy Kastner tells him like. Uh, you know, someone left that there on purpose for the sole serp, uh, you know, service of evil, um, and that they're cursed. And basically, this isn't like a random demonic possession, right? That this is like someone did this on purpose, and this is a curse that has been placed on them. And now it's uh, moved from David to Arnie. The Warrens, you know, they're traveling around trying to figure out what's going on here in the investigation. And then they end up having to help a cop, you know, who has some information they may need. He's like, well, if you help me, I'll help you kind of thing. So they start to do this separate investigation into the death of a girl named Katie Lincoln, who was found dead. And she was also stabbed 22 times. I don't know if you guys caught that or not. They were clear to point that out, that she was stabbed 22 times as well. Um and the other person that supposedly had done it, her friend Jessica or whatever, was still missing. So they had to go find her. So they go to her house and they find another one of these totems. So clearly, the girl that's missing. So uh, clearly this is connected. You know, without them knowing that it's connected, this is definitely connected. It's a similar totem to what they found under the Glatzel's house. So then, like, after that, I think you have this whole scene of Lorraine kind of doing one of her little visions where she's recreating the whole situation. So they go out into the woods and, uh, but, but I guess, but right before that, there was a pretty funny scene where like, he's like, all right, well, you know, we'll help you, but you're going to have to prove that you can do this. So he lays out like three or four knives on the table. She's like, he's like, which one is the murder weapon? And Ed's like, look, my wife's not a sideshow freak. You know, she's not going to do this. It was that one. (laughs) And then they're all like, like passing back and forth $5 bills. Like they took bets and everything. It was pretty funny. (laughs) And like, then they go to the murder scene where they found the body and as they're driving down the road, like, uh, Lorraine, Lorraine is like, you missed your turn back there. And he's like, what? Yeah, like, back there, that's where they found the body. So <laughs> you get plenty of, of, of uh, uh, clues here that she knows, you know, she knows without knowing kind of thing. You know, this is what she does. And um, so she has, like, her little recreation moment where she's, like, going throughout the murder. And then, like, she's, like, stabbing in the air and everything and knocks the girl down and is stabbing, you know, the whole 22 times bit. And then she takes off running in the woods and almost runs off a cliff, like, right before Ed is able to grab her. And then, like, as she's, like, near the cliff, like, she's, tu- she's about to turn around to walk. Like, she didn't run off the cliff. She turns around, then a hand reaches up and, like, grabs her foot and pulls her. <laughs> like, what was that? You know? <laughs> yeah, it actually looks like the same kind of uh, discolored arm that uh, uh, that actually reached out for, uh, uh, you know, the the boy in the, uh, in the waterbed scene. Yeah. I was thinking, uh, kind of like the same, uh, look of the girl. Cause you know, basically after that, they find out that there was a body down at the bottom of this yep. cliff in, in the water. And I was thinking, I guess that's supposed to be kind of like her reaching out like, Hey, I'm down here, you know, <laughs> but it almost pulls her <laughs> off the, the cliff. So yeah, then they drag the lake and you know that they find the, uh, 
the body of the the missing girl uh i've lost track of which one it is but the one that they were looking for that was missing jessica right uh, i believe it yeah, was. yeah jessica yeah, yeah. they yeah, find jessica's body down at the bottom of this um so basically i guess what the setup was here is that she stabbed katie 22 times and then ran and jump off the cliff or maybe she was just running and accidentally fell off the cliff either way you know this this is what happened yeah, I- I thought the the whole thing with the uh, with the demon was like you had to murder and then suicide. I think that's what it was, right? Like to claim the soul, there had to yeah. be a sacrifice, you know, of murder and then of suicide. Yeah, I think you're right. So, I guess that's what happened here. So the Warrens, you know, they they still need more information here. So they go to the funeral home where Jessica's body is, and Lorraine mm-hmm. touches her hand, like grabs her hand, and. Uh, this is another pretty cool scene, though, because like, then like uh, the lights go out and Ed goes over to like cut the lights back on. Which is that? Is that the way it is in a morgue? Like they have timed lights. Like that seems creepy as shit. Like you yeah, know, <laughs> if you're down there like doing your business and you got to keep you know like doing whatever it is you're doing to the body and you got to keep going over there and turning like the the fucking knob on for another hour or something <laughs> like that. It's like I don't know if that's common or not, but. Like, that just adds to the creep, right? But uh, he goes over... Like, and, and see, I, I had an issue with it with this scene right here because you would assume that girl's been down in that water for a while. And she's like I don't know grabbing what, her I hand. don't know what the time like, frame is, but yeah, like she's been down there for some time. Yeah. Yeah, that, that body ain't bad together. <laughs> it might be squishy, but it would just like fucking fall apart, <laughs> I would imagine. Not yeah. to get too deep in the weeds of what happens to a body when they're, you know, found at the bottom of a of a lake or something, but yeah, I would imagine it wouldn't be that put together for sure. Yeah. Um, but she's touching the hand of the corpse to kind of help her find, uh, this, you know, this person that's doing this, this witch or whatever it is. Um, the light goes out and then like he goes over to cut it back on. And then of course, one of the other bodies in the morgue is standing there and it's like this, I, I couldn't tell whether it was a man or a woman. I guess it was a dude, right? Like, Either it's way, like meatloaf. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was a woman. It's the dead body of meatloaf, even though he's not dead. He's yeah. standing over in the corner, and uh, uh, he's like, two out of three ain't bad," and comes running at her. <laughs> Paradise by the dashboard light. But he he comes running at them, and then like they ba- he basically is able to like kind of like pull the plug, you know, so to speak. Like he grabs Lorraine's hand away from hers just in time for like the body to hit the floor, you know, as it's running towards. Which that didn't make any sense either. All right. She's got the connection. Okay. Uh, if this, if this like corpse is being possessed by a demon, what does Lorraine have anything to do with that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess, you know, just so you don't have to, uh, really have a whole scene where they're fighting off a corpse in the morgue. You just kind of like, what well, they pulled the plug, you know, that ended that. Um, Saves them a few bucks, I guess. Hell, I don't know. But <laughs> but she, she in this vision that Lorraine has, she witnesses uh, the witch, the occultist, attempting to have Arnie c- kill himself. Um, but they manage, basically, like, this is where they come to the conclusion, like, the connection goes both ways, right? Like, Lorraine can do her thing and connect to the occultist, but the occultist basically can turn around and connect back to her, too. But they managed to stop Arnie from killing himself. I think this is where he has like the little body, uh, uh, b- body, the bottle of uh, holy water, and he busts the water, and there's like mm-hmm. a little uh, shard of glass, and he tries to cut his wrist with it. Or she's making him do this, right? But um, she's, Lorraine is able to stop it just in time. But 
now you realize that like this connection between her and the occultist goes both ways. So now this ain't good. The Warrens go home back, you know, back to the evil house that they live in, you know, or back to the house they have above the room of pure evil that they live in, and uh, <laughs> to further investigate their guy Drew, who I think that's the same guy that was in one of the one of the other ones, right? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, uh, either the first Conjuring or the second one. I, I wanted to say it was the first one. Uh, let me look real quick. Yeah, it was. It was. He was in the first one. It's the same guy. Um, I guess he wasn't in Conjuring too. No, no, he was. Well, that one was in. He, he was. was. Okay. Yeah, he was. It says it here. Yeah, he was in both of them. So yeah, yeah I'm actually working on a uh, a document to kind of uh, uh, kind of tie in all of the uh, the cast from you know various uh, Spook Show episodes we've done, uh, and I know that. Um, you know, you guys just mentioned, uh, you know, who is in Conjuring and all that. Drew, yeah. Yeah. Which was played by Shannon Cook. Uh, he was in the first two Conjuring movies. So, yeah, there's another pull there. Like, But he's yep. there to help them. He's basically kind of like their assistant, and he films a lot of these things when they do it. You know, he's just there to help. He finds, like, this other witchcraft book. He gives it to Ed, and basically they're like, well, in order for this curse to be lifted, the altar where the occultist did this has to be destroyed that's the conclusion that they come to so it's almost like it what was it in the first one all you need to do is like find out the demon's name and it's over <laughs> it's one of those deals but they have to go where wherever this was performed this ritual you have to go bust that altar and that'll break the curse they kind of triangulate so to speak where this occultist is operating from by like kind of looking at the map like all right well this happened here this happened here wait a minute we thought it was in boston no it was over here and now they kind of got a, a general area of where she's at so they're kind of narrowing down the search of where the occultist is when lorraine goes back to kastner after this for help um this is where it's revealed that he basically this woman that, that is doing this the occultist it's his daughter he raised her in this in the home because basically it was just them. He had the kid, like, because he was part of the church. I guess he wasn't supposed to have a kid. So he kind of hid her away in the home. And where, and he also just happened to have this fucking, like, devil room in his house. Just like the Warrens do. And he raised his kid in this. And I guess she kind of went the opposite way with it. Instead of learning to that this stuff was evil and to stay away from it, she kind of leaned in and basically became a witch uh, because of this. Well, you know, people... People needed to do something with the old uh, fallout shelters back in the day, so I guess they started having devil rooms. Yeah. <laughs> well, we don't have to worry about nuclear fallout anymore. Hey, a Satan room. <laughs> Wait, are you a sadist? No, this is just where I keep my Satan stuff. Yeah, oh, okay. Well, that's normal. It, it is 1981, so... Uh... <laughs> but basically, he tells Lorraine that you know, during this, like, uh, uh, his fascination of, of all this, you know, Satanist and the occult and everything, and she just kind of uh, uh, grew to become, you know, a member of the occult, his daughter. So uh, he tells her, he tells Lorraine, like, uh, that means she's probably got, like, her hidden altar or whatever, her, her, her Satan's lair <laughs> is probably down underneath these tunnels that are, like, deep down underneath apparently didn't they say didn't he say he lives in an old church or something like that like where he's living at um it's either like an old church or it's a place where they did where he did all of his things for the church and he still lives there so like there's these tunnels underneath and everything and that's probably where she's at 
Um, so she goes down, Lorraine goes down to go find her. She comes up from behind on her dad and the occultist, the occultist. She comes up behind on her dad and slices his throat. So I guess that's the murder, right? Or <laughs> the murder sacrifice, uh, into the suicide. But either way, I guess like, well, you've told on me now, old man, <laughs> you're fucking dead. So <laughs> he's gone. <laughs> then Ed, who's kind of put two and two together at this point, he rushes to the house to help Lorraine and uh, goes down, makes his way down through the tunnels with a, with a sledgehammer, which <laughs> that's very like uh, specific, right? Like, you know, like of all the things that he could have grabbed to go help him, <laughs> fi- you know, with Lorraine, he makes sure to grab the sledgehammer, but he's able to like bust open this little uh, drain, you know, these like this locked with the sledgehammer. So he goes down inside the tunnels and then uh, the occultist actually sneaks up on him and, like, blows some powder into his face or something. So, like, now he's possessed by a demon <laughs> and actually tries to kill Lorraine with the, uh, with the sledgehammer. But then, like, she has this moment of, like, and you knew this was going to come back up because they mentioned it earlier in the movie. They had, like, a little flashback scene of how Ed and Lorraine met where they went mm-hmm. and they danced in the gazebo or whatever and had their first kiss in the rain and all this shit. So, like, you knew that was going to come back up. So, like, she's he's possessed by a demon. She's like, it's me, Lorraine. Remember the gazebo? And then, uh, of course, you know, he snaps out of it. And uh, just in time, to like, as she's sitting under it, smashes the altar of the occultist, which, you know, breaks the curse and uh, saves Lorraine and uh, Arnie as well. Um, they missed a great opportunity to play uh, Peter Gabriel right there. <laughs> but then the that occ- would have been an improvement <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if they'd have all like at that moment just stopped and turned to the camera did a thumbs up and smiled <laughs> and then sledgehammer plays and then the credits that's it they turn they turn around and smile and i hear <laughs> <laughs> if it had ended that way greatest movie ever made <laughs> Five across the board. Five, five stars. <laughs> it did not end that way, though. Uh, the, occult- <laughs> the occultist arrives, you know, now that the altar is broken. And uh, then then Ed says some snarky shit like, well, you forgot, like, you know, <laughs> he still needs his soul. So uh, <laughs> then basically the, the fucking demon, whatever the hell she has summoned, like turns her into a pretzel and snaps her neck. And she's dead. Um, since she didn't complete the curse. So then, of course, you know, not done without a scene in the old artifact room of the Warrens, he takes, like, the cup from the altar and places it inside the room, you know, the artifact room in their house. Mm. And, of course, you see Annabelle over in the corner, and you see the painting of uh, the nun, the uh, Volok, you know, over on the wall. So, you know, all the callbacks to the other shit, you know, you see all those. They they couldn't do it without at least one little Annabelle (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> also, I guess I failed to mention earlier, they did make the Annabelle reference too, where the guy's like, uh, or no, who was it? Was the lawyer, right? The yeah. lawyer's like, well, how can you, how can you hope to convince a jury if you can't convince me? So we'll come back to our house. We want to, we want to, uh, <laughs> we want to, <laughs> yeah. want you to meet Annabelle, and then it, and then it shows her in the court, like you know, all fucking nervous and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> he, he's not guilty. That was, you know, it's clearly just comic relief, but it was a pretty good little scene. But anyway, well, and, so, and even with. With that, with that whole scene, like I'm surprised there's not another murder case on our hands because 
there are two people dead in the house, and the Warrens are the only ones sitting there alive. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But no time to clean all that up. Just... The important thing is that the curse was broken, all right? <laughs> we got no time for that other shit. Maybe they just kicked them down in the lower tunnels and then sealed the door up and like, none of this happened. Let's move along here. Arnie's innocent. But basically at the end, it says that Arnie was convicted of manslaughter, like we said earlier, but he only ends up serving five years of his sentence. And then uh, he actually married Debbie, his girlfriend, while he was in prison. And uh, I think it said something like they're still together to this day. And, <clears throat> and then... Uh, Ed takes Lorraine out to like he's built like a replica of the gazebo in this time <laughs> in this time frame and they go back out and you know kiss and dance or whatever the hell under the gazebo so you get the the typical kind of like pleasant ending of a conjuring movie here and then at uh, as the credits roll you get to see some pictures and hear and like see some news clippings and shit and hear the tape of uh, the real uh, exorcism of David I believe it was right that you hear there at the end so so there you go the Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Donnie, I guess we'll go to you first. What's your star rating on this one? Um, I'm going to give it two and three quarter stars. It was just uh, just a disappointment all around. Just all around disappointment. Uh, better than uh, Curse of La Llorona, which is not saying much at all. Uh, but definitely the, um, uh, the worst of the three Conjuring movies. Um, but with... You know, in my opinion, The Curse of La Llorona being the worst of the Conjuring movies, this saying it's better than that is not saying much. It's, yeah, not a great movie, but also not the worst. Will, what do you say? Uh, I think I'll sit around two and a half. I mean, it's fine. I I, I do like that they tried to, you know, change the formula a little bit, you know, and do some different things. I just don't think that, for whatever reason, this one really connected. Uh, it's not a bad movie. It's just, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the the first two were better. I'll definitely agree there in my rating. The first, what what, did, what rating did you get it, give it? I'm sorry, Will. I don't know if I caught that. Two and a half. Two and a half. Donnie, you said two and three quarters. Uh, yeah. I'm probably going to agree with you, Donnie. Two, two and three quarters seems about right. Like I, I don't know if I'd go quite in the three category, but, uh, you know, like like you said, it's not a bad movie. It's just like, I have to give them a, a little bit of bonus, you know, m- maybe a quarter star there in my rating or so for just trying to change it up a little bit. I don't know if they hit it, hit the mark with what they were trying to do, but they were trying something new. And, you know, there, there is there has to be something said there for a, a movie that's, you know, literally a franchise that's eight deep and you're on the third movie of this particular run, you know, with this one. Um, so, you know, kudos to trying something new. Just don't know if they necessarily hit the hit the ball off the tee very straight, but it, you know I, I enjoyed it for what it was. And like I said earlier, I think they probably needed to shave about twenty minutes off this movie. You know, tighten it up a little bit, and it probably mm-hmm. would have flowed a little better. I think um, because there were a couple moments there where you kind of got it figured out, and you just want to kind of see what where they go with it. But you're sitting there like, all right, let's let's speed it up. You know, yeah. <laughs> At least I, I took was, a piss know. during that during that time. Yeah. <laughs> so- I think I it's like, like ah, not necessarily yeah. the end of the movie, but it's like kind of like maybe the uh, the, the the beginning of the third act. Kind of, you know, you're like, all right, yeah. let's just go ahead and wrap this puppy up. You know, we know where we're going <laughs> with it. Let's, you know, like you said, that's piss that's break time. Kind of. Yeah, piss um, break. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't. It's definitely, you know, I'll put it below the first two conjurings for sure. 
and I'll definitely put it behind the last couple, at least, that we've watched in Curse of La Llorona uh, and The Nun. Well, I don't know. I mean, I gave The Nun two and a half, so yeah, I mean, that's probably about right. I like this better than The Nun. There's no doubt about that. And no doubt about this is, a, at least in my opinion, like I said at the beginning, this is better than Curse of La Llorona. Michael, what was his name? Michael Chavez, the director? Yeah. Yeah, Michael yeah, Chavez. It, it doesn't Chavis, matter. Chavis, yeah, however you pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> he did a better job, in my opinion, this time than he did the, with The Curse of La Llorona. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. This is a better movie, and he did a better job. So, if nothing else, there's that, right? So, I guess we'll yep. see where it goes from here. I don't know. You know, it'll be interesting to see what direction uh, they go in and uh, which one is next, because we've talked about that in past episodes, about, like, some of the ones that they've been talking about. And uh, it sounds like, you know, it does sound like The Nun 2 is going to be a thing eventually simply because that was so successful. And one thing's for sure with this franchise, when they get a hold of something like Annabelle, <laughs> they're not letting it go, right? And the fact that they made it prominent to have The Nun's picture in the background and everything, we're, we're, we're coming back to that one eventually. Yeah, I can guarantee you that. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's next or not, but we're going to see another Nun movie. I can bet you money on that. Yeah. Um, but... There we go. That's kind of our thoughts on that. Donnie, what are your uh, your connections with the uh, the Six Degrees of Spook show with this one? So uh, we've got 13 total crew, uh, include, including uh, director uh, Michael Chavis or whatever the fuck his name is. We've got the writers, producers, uh, cinematographer, and uh, several uh, makeup and uh, special effects uh, crew members, all tying to, uh, I believe it's 10... No, it's more than that. It's uh, uh, it's all of the uh, uh, all of the movies in the Conjuring universe. Annabelle, uh, Annabelle creation. Annabelle comes home. Uh, the Conjuring, Conjuring two. Uh, we spoke about the uh, the Nun and the Curse of La Llorona. All of those, along with um, so all of those thirteen total crew members tie into all of those movies, mm -hmm. as well as uh, the Green Inferno. Um, mm. It. Brightburn, uh, It Chapter 2, and um, Josh's favorite, House of Wax. Oh, gosh. Um, so, yeah, um, all of those episodes, there's 12. Yeah, I mean, all the connections to the Conjuring stuff, that's unsurprising. I'm more... Yeah. Uh, it's more interesting to hear, like, the House of Wax, honestly, and stuff like that, because, you know... Those, yeah. I, I mean, even the uh, the two It movies, that was a lot of the same crew of guys... Yep. You know, that were involved in that, that did these, like, like I said, the Hayes... Chad and Carrie Hayes and all that. I know those were connected there. So yeah. a lot of connections to those. But, yeah, t so those are going to be obvious. Tons of connections to the yeah. entire Conjuring universe. Quite a lot. I guess we'll leave the gore score next week for the professor to kind of give us what he thinks. Because the last time he wasn't here and we did this, like, we came pretty close to, you know, going with what he would say. But I guess we can go ahead and do it just for a minute. Like, what, what do you guys think? What, what would you go? I wouldn't necessarily... I don't think any of these movies are necessarily gory. Would be considered gory no. or anything, right? So, um, probably I'd say low end. Go ahead, Will. Low end. What do you say, Will? Uh, kind of just knowing the way that smoke usually does it. I'm gonna guess probably around like a five, maybe a six. Uh, I would say lower. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna. I mean, you know, you have as far as if you think, uh, you know, blood scenes, gore scenes. Um, I'm gonna say maybe a three or a four at at. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm going to go around there. I'm going to go with a four. And this, like I said, we're betting with house money here. We're just, you know, yep. we're throwing it out there to see what he says. You know, <laughs> like he's the authority on that. So 
Uh, I guess that leads to naturally, uh, and I guess I should have let up with that first will doing the kill count. Maybe that'll help inform the decision. Yeah, uh, I came in with five. Uh, you got the landlord stabbed 22 times. You got Katie stabbed 22 times. Jessica jumping off the cliff. Uh, Kastner with his throat slit. And then the uh, cultist daughter, Kastner, with the human pretzel. <laughs> Death by human pretzel. <laughs> it doesn't kill the other two guys that get turned into pretzels throughout the movie, but it fucking kills her dead. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I just figure, you know, 44 stabbings plus a throat slit, uh, human pretzel. The re- yeah, I forgot about the throat slit. Yeah, and the reenactment of the 22 stabbings mm. on uh, the girl, you know, even though it's not, you know, she's just stabbing the air, but it keeps cutting to the real thing, right, back and forth. So that's pretty gory. The two people getting, uh, well, three, I guess if you count the occultists, getting turned into human pretzels, that's pretty gory. I don't know, you know, four... That probably sounds about right, give or take. Yeah. So I guess I guess we'll see what he has to say about it next. Uh, you know, on the next episode. And like we said earlier in the program, don't forget next episode, episode sixty-one, that will start off the summer of the wolf with the Wolfman from nineteen forty-one. I'll go ahead and give you the brief IMDb synopsis for that. Uh, Larry Talbot returns to his father's castle in Wales and meets a beautiful woman. One fateful night, Talbot escorts her to a local carnival where they meet a mysterious gypsy fortune teller. So that <laughs> that sets it up for you, the classic Lon Chaney movie. So this will also be the oldest by quite a bit movie, yep. that, movie that we've watched here on the Spook Show, which we just literally watched the oldest one in the last episode, episode 59, Jesse James meets Frankenstein's daughter. So we're going back to the old well. Although, look, I don't know if, you've got, if you guys have seen the original Wolfman. Trust me. This movie is better than Jesse James meets Frankenstein's dog. I know that's a low bar, but I'm just telling you right now. This Leaps is better and than, bounds. Yeah. <laughs> so we got that to look forward to. So I guess uh, uh, for Will and Donnie and the Professor Smoke, I'm Josh. We are the All-American Spook Show podcast and come back in two weeks, June 21st, episode 61, for the beginning of the Summer of the Wolf series with the Wolfman from 1941. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.